The title of my message this morning is You Are a Mess. <laughs> the truth is, you are a mess, and so am I. Our lives are messy, aren't they? There is drama, there's crashes, there's ugliness, there's failures. Come on, am I alone? There's falling down and getting back up and then falling down again. There's arguments. There's bad habits. There's bad thoughts. There's bad words. Our lives are messy. We may look good from a distance. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but the closer you get to other people's lives, the more of a mess that you see. Have you ever known somebody who maybe came to your job and uh, looked so well, presented themselves so well, but then when you got in their car, it was a disaster. Come on. And then when you got in their house, it was even worse than their car because the closer you get to us, the more of a mess that we are. Now, this message isn't about cleanliness so much. It's about how that even as Christians, we have messy lives. And I want you to, at the end of this message, understand how you can be okay with that. How that God actually uses your mess to send his message. The truth is, if we were to look at God's word, it is consistent, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a line, let's say, that is unwavering, unmoving, cannot change, always stays the same. And if we were to look at your life, it would look, in comparison to that line, it would look like this. Every once in a while we get up there and then we go right back down here and then we run over here and then we're over there and we're over here because our lives look like a disaster, a mess. I have several coffee cups that my grandkids made uh, artwork for and it's on the coffee cups and there's turtles and flowers and coyotes and eagles, all this lovely stuff they made. Well, Caden made me a cup too and it is, that's what's on it and it is, it is absolutely beautiful. His artwork to some may look like a mess, but to me it's a beautiful thing. Our lives have craziness in them. And because they do, what do most Christians do? We put on a good show. Come on, you know how to put on a good show, don't you? We put on a veneer, a mask. Our outer image that we present to the world isn't who we truly are. We only show our best to others. So it looks like we've got it all together. And it's gotten even worse now that we have social media because we don't put pictures of ourselves on there that don't make us look flattering. We don't put posts on there unless we think it makes us look flattering. And let me just side note, to some people out there who are putting posts on there, uh, it's not flattering to you. <laughs> um, you know, leave your family business in your family. Uh, come on now. We have this ability... To show the world that everything is good, we smile at church, and the truth is we have a mess in our lives because lives are messy, come on. People would say to one another, oh, I after all, I want to be a good witness for Jesus, so I'm going to hide the ugliness so people think Jesus turns you into some wonderful, perfect person with a perfect life, but nothing could be farther from the truth. The truth is you're a mess, and so am I. This is the truth of Christianity. There is a version of Christianity out there in which we wear a mask, and it goes something like this. It is, I was a mess, Jesus saved me, and now I'm not a mess. 
But true Christianity says, I was a mess, Jesus saved me, I'm still a mess, and he's keeping me anyway. Come on. Come on, are you with me today? Now, I believe in transformation. I believe in Jesus improving your life. It's happened to me. I believe in growing and maturing in Christ. But at the end of the day, you and I are still a mess. Christian lives are messy. Amen? There are things that happen, things we do that aren't always pretty. And let me give you a little hint. Jesus isn't done with you yet. Come on. He's perfected part of you, but he's coming back to perfect the rest of you. Praise the Lord. The problem with this version of Christianity is that it's not biblical and it's not productive. You're not going to find it in the Bible, and it doesn't produce people who come to Jesus Christ. When your Christianity says, Jesus, save me now, I'm better than you, people don't want any part of that, do they? Sinners look at this kind of Christianity and they think two things. Either it's unobtainable. They say, there's no way I could live like sister so-and-so. There's no way I could be as good as my grandma. There's no way I could live like that, so I might as well not even try. Or they say, you're a hypocrite. You act like you got it all together, but we know your life is a mess. And there's stuff underneath the surface that shouldn't be there. They think it's unobtainable or you're a hypocrite. This kind of life also produces a bad version of ourselves. We see ourselves as hypocrites. We know that we're presenting this way, but in secret in our personal lives, we're not always this way. So we know, we struggle with this, this hypocrisy within our lives that we're fooling people around us, so we think. And we're trying to keep the mask on and the charade up, and it becomes a problem. We know we're hypocrites or... Worse than that, it turns us into Pharisees. You know what I mean? The Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day who thought they were better than everyone else and were always talking down to other people. They were always saying things like, well, I'm so glad that I don't do like that brother over there. And I'm so glad that God delivered me from that over there. Come on. I used to work for a guy that smoked for many years. And he finally quit smoking. And after he quit smoking, he went around talking down to everybody who ever smoked. People enjoy that. Well, you know, I used to be like you, but boy, I'm better than you now. Mm-hmm. I'm better than you now. This is where religion comes from, the kind of Christianity that tells the world, hey, y'all aren't as good as we are. Come over here and be like us, and you'll be as good as we are. Jesus will make you as good as I am. Can I promise you something? Jesus does not want to turn sinners into you. He's got one of you, and that's enough because you're a mess. Come on. You and I are a mess. Yeah, everybody wants to present a perfect image of themselves to the world. Expose the good. Hide the mess. But I'm here to tell you today, there is a message in the middle of your mess. People won't turn to Jesus if, I, if they see my mistakes and failures. But I'm here to tell you, God's message is in the middle of your mess. But people are going to think less of Christianity if they see my faults and failures. But I'm here to tell you, God's message is in the middle of your mess. God's message is not in your perfection. It's not in your righteousness. God's message is in your mess. Oh, I'm going to help you today. This is going to set some of you free who've been struggling to try to be good, to try to be what God wants you to be, to try to impress other people so that you can just let go and be free and understand that God can use you even though you're a mess. The Christian message isn't, look how much better I am than you. The Christian message is, 
Look what God can do with messy people. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, God's so good. Yes, the Christian message is that God loves messy people, that Jesus died for messy people, that God accepts messy people, that God keeps messy people, that God calls messy people, that God uses messed up, worn out failures of people just like me. Is somebody in the house with me today? Come on. Biblical Christianity is full of messy people. David was a murderer. Jacob was a liar and a shyster. Peter was weak. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. All of the characters of the Bible had messy lives. And I want you to notice something else. God didn't try to hide it from you and I. He put it in there. He showed the mess off. He showed the mess off. And I'm going to give you a reason for that. Understand that today. It's important that we know why God wants us to stop hiding the mess. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 10. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 10. If you want to go there, you can go there at this time. Thank you, Jesus. I love this scripture. There's so much good in this passage right here. Paul is teaching us. It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, that means there's a blinder in front of it. You can't see clearly. It is veiled to those who are perishing in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, there is a veil over people, and they cannot see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we catching that here? And what they need to see is the glory of God, the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What they need to see is Christ. Are you seeing that? But there is a veil in front of people that they cannot see. And you want to know that one of the biggest things that is blinding people from seeing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is religious people who are standing in front of Jesus with their lives. Have you ever been to a, uh, a, a picture taking where you're taking pictures and someone keeps getting in front of you and, and before long you're in the back and you're trying to peek your head and when the picture's done there's just a tiny little glimpse of you back there? That's how a lot of Christians live their lives. They live in such a way that they're constantly stepping in front of Jesus and saying, you know, I did a good deed today or stepping in front of Jesus, you know, I didn't get mad today. Stepping in front of Jesus and describing their righteousness, describing themselves, telling how good they've been and, and really patting themselves on the back all the while Jesus is in the back of your picture going, hey, uh, what about me back here? Uh, they're supposed to be looking at me and not you. Come on. Amen. Come on. They're supposed to be looking at me and not you. But we're too busy showing people ourselves instead of showing them Jesus Christ. We need to show them Jesus Christ. That removes the veil so they can see the truth because what people need is not you and me. What they need is Jesus. What they need is you and me to show them Jesus. And Paul's going to show us how. He says, for we do not preach ourselves. Come on. We do not preach ourselves. Look at me. Look at me. Look how good looking I am. How holy I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, I once, thank you, Larry. I once, uh, I once was this and now I'm that. And look at me and how great I am. No, we preach Jesus. We don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. And what we preach about ourselves is that we are bond servants for Jesus' sake, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Somebody say, light shall shine out of darkness. Jesus shall shine out of my mess. Jesus shall shine 
out of my mess. Oh, glory be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now watch this. The rubber's about to meet the road. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. There's your why right there. Why do I still have a mess? Why didn't God just clean everything up and make me perfect and, and fix everything in my life? Why didn't he fix my temper? Why didn't he fix my mouth? Why didn't he fix my wife or my husband or my financial situation? God, I don't know why you didn't fix everything for me. Well, he says right here, the reason is God wants you to be an earthen vessel so that the power will be his and not yours, so that the glory will be his and not yours. So people will look at your lives and say, wow, God can do anything through a knucklehead amen hallelujah God can do anything through the middle of a mess let's capture some things here the message is Jesus not your great life not your great obedience not your great this not your great that and the Holy Spirit is the excellent treasure within us he is at work in us you know Christianity is the only faith in which we don't try to reach God, but God came and got us. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And the only thing we got to do is just let him do what he wants to do. Let him love you. Let him save you. Just accept what he's done. That's the basis of Christianity right there. Yes, it is the message of Jesus, not of me. The Holy Spirit is the excellent treasure within us, and your messy life is the earthen vessel. The next time you come over here to 2 Corinthians and you read this, uh, we have this treasure in earthen vessels or in jars of clay, whichever version you happen to be reading, understand what it's saying here is that the Holy Spirit, the good love of God, the power and the love of God lives inside the lives of messy people, that it shines through the lives of messy, messed up, broken down, don't always do right, fail, don't live up to their name or their title kind of people, amen? It is not your great life. It's the Holy Spirit within you, and your messy life is simply carrying that power. We have this amazing power of love and at work in our messy lives. I don't know about you, but that does me some good. Amen? That does me some good because sometimes I need to get back into this kind of thinking where I stop thinking about how I need to measure up and how I need to do better and how I need to uh, uh, stand up and, and really just pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and go to the next level. When I start trying to force things to happen, when I start trying to be good on my own, when I start trying to do these kind of things, what I find is people start looking at me. I start looking at me, and Jesus gets lost in my picture. Come on. There's an old story of a, an old violin that the average violin player couldn't play. It was broken and messed up and out of tune and there were several violinists that picked it up and couldn't make any kind of music out of it, but the master violinist, he picked up that old violin and he tuned it up just right and he began to run that bow across the strings and it began to make the most beautiful music. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? Even though the violin was a mess, the master can make music with it. Hallelujah. I want you to notice, he didn't fix the violin. He just made something beautiful out of it. I'm here to tell you today, God's not going to fix all the mess in your life. 
He will heal you. He will deliver you. He will help you. He will bless you. He'll do things in your life. But until he comes back again, you're still going to be a mess. You're human, and you're going to fail and fall short of the glory of God. And don't you see, that's part of the testimony of your life. Your life is this, that in spite of me, God did beautiful things. The master made beautiful music out of this old broken down, out of tune fiddle. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's read on. It says, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed. Somebody, somebody in the house, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but we are not destroyed, always caring about in our physical body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Yes, we are afflicted but we are not crushed. Come on, somebody. Have you been through some stuff in your life? Come on, have you been some, through some stuff in your life, some affliction, some drama, some, some challenges? Has life come after you? Have you fallen on your own? Have you messed up big time? Yes, we have been through some stuff. And though we may get wounded, though we may have problems, can I promise you that it's not the end of us. You see, when a Christian goes through things, God will see us through. Hallelujah. And even if he sees us through to the next life, glory be to God. Oh, heaven is a real place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, we are afflicted but not crushed. We are perplexed but not despairing. Christians don't have all the answers, and if you have all the answers, then you're wrong. Come on. If you think all of the wisdom and the knowledge and the essence of God can fit in your tiny little brain, you are sadly mistaken. I always get tickled at people that think they have to understand God, and they failed algebra. How do you th How does you failed algebra, and somehow your mind is supposed to... Wrap itself around God. There are some times that we don't know. We don't have all the answers, but we know the one who has the answers. And you know what God says to us most of the time? He says, just trust me. Come on, just trust me. Hang in there with me. Don't lose faith. Trust me. He says we are perplexed. We ask the question why, but we don't ask the question why to the point of despair. We don't go into despair because we trust in our God. Yes, we are perplexed but not despairing. We are persecuted but not forsaken. Hallelujah. Can I promise you something that if the world comes against you and God is for you, what in the world does it matter? <laughs> Woo, glory be to God. If the world comes against you, if your family comes against you, if society comes against you but God is for you, then what in the world does it matter? My God is for me, bless his wonderful name. They can take my life. They can take my freedom. They can take my money. They can take everything, but they can't separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, my Lord. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Listen, the next time you see a Christian who's been struck down, don't go off whispering somewhere going, boy, what in the world did they do? Boy, they must not be obeying God. I knew this was going to happen to them because they, they ain't been living like they should. They ain't been doing like they should. Can I promise you something? You need to watch how your mouth works. <laughs> Come on now. I'm reminded in the book of Esther how, how Haman, I believe it was, hated the Jews so bad that he convinced the king to have them all killed. And so he built a gallows, which had uh, places where they could all be hanged, and he was going to hang them. But uh, God intervened. And you know what happened? 
He was hanged on the very gallows that he built for someone else. Can I tell you something? The reason Jesus said don't judge others because it'll come back on you is because it's the same principle. You better be careful how you judge and talk about people who've been struck down or you yourself might find yourself swinging from the gallows you built for someone else. Come on. We all fall down. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Glory be to the name of the Lord. Do you get that today? Is that a part of your thinking? From time to time, does it just cross your mind that because of Jesus, you will never, ever be destroyed? Come on. Come on. They can take your life and your body in the ground, but when the resurrection comes, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. You will never, ever be destroyed. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I am weak, he is strong. When I fail, he is faithful. When I lose my grip, God holds on to me. In the middle of a mess is a message. God loves messy people. Oh, yes, Jesus died for messy people. God keeps messy people, and he even uses messy people. Your mess is the atmosphere in which his love and his mercy and his grace shine the brightest. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? What do I do with that information, Pastor? Well, to the Christian, I would say this. Stop trying to perfect yourself. Stop trying to put an image out there that somehow you're getting, uh, you're getting perfect. Now, I want to I help you because there are going to be times in the future when I talk about working to grow Working on yourself and to grow. And you might think those two things don't come together, but I want to help you with that, with two things. We do change. We do grow. We do pursue godly lives in our flesh here. But always remember these two truths. Always remember these two truths when we're talking about you working on you. We do so because we love him and we want to be like Jesus. We do so because we love people and we want to help them. We don't do so because we want to impress them. Because we want to be better than them. Because we want to sit in the finest seats like the Pharisees did and grab the attention of other people who pat us on the back and tell us how holy and righteous that we are. We do so because we love God and we love people. Amen? The reason I want to be a better person is because I want to please my Father and I want to help people. Yes? Amen? That's number one. Number two, remember this. It all comes down to submitting to his work within us. Do you know that the work that God is doing in your life, your job is simply to submit to it. If the Holy Spirit lives within you, he's working on you and he's growing you and he's helping you. You will go through trials and in the midst of your trials, there is somebody at work inside of you trying to help you grow. Your job is not to figure out everything and know exactly what to do and then do it. Your job is to submit to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Perhaps you're going through a time where you're very frustrated and you're prone to saying things you shouldn't say and the Holy Spirit is working in you to shut your trap. Come on. Your job is to work with the Holy Spirit and work on keeping your mouth closed. Come on. Hallelujah. Are you catching me today? It comes down to these two things. When we grow, we're growing because we love, not because we want to impress. And we are submitting to his work because really I am a work of God. Come on, somebody. I am the work of God. He's working on me. And if you've ever seen any good thing in me, what you see is God in me. You got to stop trying to perfect yourself. You got to stop trying to think you're better than others. You're a mess too. 
Just because you think your sin didn't as bad as other people's sin, all sin is sin in the eyes of God. Come on. Even being judgmental towards others is a sin. In fact, it's one of the most worst kinds of sin. It's one of those sins where we sit on God's throne, and he don't like it when we sit on his throne, remember? And when we start judging people, God doesn't like that. You're a mess too. Also, Christian, this message is, is for you to understand that you got to let others see the mess from time to time. The testimony of the Christian is not, I don't ever make a mistake. The testimony of the Christian is, I'm a human and I fall short, yet God loves me anyway. And he uses me anyway. And I have the courage and the fortitude to admit when I've done something wrong. And to apologize to people. Come on. To say I'm sorry, to, to let people see restoration inside of you. Let God be the one that shines in your life and not you. It's not your job to hide everything that's going wrong in your life. Now, I'm not telling you to go on Facebook when you get home and put a list of all the things you've done wrong today. You can just send that directly to me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Stop it. I'm not telling you to air all your dirty laundry. I'm just saying stop trying to hide everything so you act like you don't have a problem because God can't shine when there's no darkness to shine in. Come on. You got to let others see the mess from time to time. Let them see God at work in the midst of your mess. You know what the world ought to see? They ought to see people who they just look at and go, I can't believe he's a Christian. But man, sometimes he just does things that blow me away. Sometimes that woman is just so kind and loving and, and does amazing things. And then sometimes she just ain't who you'd think a Christian should be. That really ought to be the testimony. Because we let people close enough to us to see that we're not perfect. But the God we serve who lives within us is perfect. Come on. Hallelujah. Let them see God at work in the middle of your mess. So what does this mean to the non-Christian today? If you're out there today and you're watching and you don't know Jesus and maybe you've been thinking about serving Jesus, this message means this to you. It means you can be a Christian. There is no unobtainable lifestyle that you're going to have to try to pursue and work really hard to reach. Jesus already did that. You have nothing left to do. He did everything. You don't need to add anything. Jesus lived the perfect life for you. He died and took the penalty for your sin for you. He rose from the dead for you so that you could have eternal life in him. Yes, you, with all of your faults and failures and struggles and problems and addictions, with all of your difficulties, with your mess, yes, you, just come to Jesus and he will take you with your mess. Yes, things will be different, but you won't be perfect and neither will your life. But I promise you this, God will love you through the mess. God will bless you even in the middle of a mess. God will use you even in the middle of a mess because that's just the kind of God that he is. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is what separates our faith from others. And if we're not careful, Christians, we can get caught in this mindset that somehow we have to live up to a standard in order for the world to see Jesus. But the standard was set by God. Hallelujah. When Jesus came to earth, he lived a straight line, right in line with the word of God. And while the rest of us have fallen and gotten back up and fallen and gotten back up and, and we've gone to the left and we've gone to the right and our life looks like a mess, in the middle of that, Jesus is our stability. He is our solid rock, our sure foundation. He is what keeps us. It is not your faith holding him. It is him holding you. Thank you, Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus today, it's very simple to know him. 
Very easy to be born again. Just believe. Just believe that he's the son of God. That he lived a perfect life for you. That he died for you. Just trust that what he did applies to your life. And the Bible says if you do that, you shall be saved.